All right, sweet. A lot of people in the house. Praise God. All right, I feel like tonight uh, God wants to release a lot of healing, um, but um, going to go more towards inner healing towards the end. But right now, I want us to cover physical healing. And so before I even get in my message, uh, I want any of you guys who are sick uh, in the house, just not feeling well, to go ahead and stand up uh, right now. Okay. All right, everybody get a good look at those around you. And uh, what I want you guys who are seated to do is to go ahead and get up and uh, surround those who are standing. Ask them uh, how they're feeling, how they, you can pray for them, and then go ahead and pray for their healing. If they say, I have pain in my throat, you pray against the pain in their throat. If they say, I have soreness in my knee, you pray against the soreness in their knee, okay? Make precise prayers uh, and let's see healing released. So go ahead and do that right now. All right, I want those who've been uh, receiving prayer, go ahead and test yourself. Uh, you know, if, you're, if you have a sore throat, go ahead and swallow. <laughs> Move your arms. If it was an arm ache, shoulder ache, go ahead and test. Okay. All right, anyone uh, feel full, fully healed? Raise your hand. Fully healed. Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, none yet? I, w- I want you guys to pray one more time. Go ahead and pray again. Let's do this, guys. Authority. All right, go ahead and test again. If, if you feel fully healed, I want you to wave your arm in the air like this. Go ahead and test. Okay, we got one in the back. Got another right here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. All right, anyone else feel partial, partial healing? Partial healing. Go ahead and wave your hand if you feel partially healed. Okay, got, got a few hands in the back. All right, hand over here. Praise God. All right, let's give it up for the Lord. Praise God. This light is right on me. I'll probably look very white tonight. Oh, yellow? Okay, that's better. Uh, well, good evening, guys. My name is uh, John Michael Becker, and uh, I direct an orphanage ministry here in Seoul. Uh, called Jerusalem Ministry, and uh, I've been living and serving at a children's home here in Korea for the past five years. Came out at the end of 2005. It's been that long, 
And uh, it's a privilege and honor to be here tonight and share the word of the Lord with you guys. Um, when I ask you guys, who has a Bible in the house? Go ahead and raise your Bible. Raise it up. Okay. All right, we, we want to see all the Bibles. Come on. I want to encourage you who don't have a Bible to get one. Uh, if you have one, to bring it. Uh, open up to Romans 8.28. This is going to be the foundation of the message tonight. Romans 8.28. Romans 8:28 I'm betting many of you guys have this verse memorized I'm going to read from the NIV tonight it says this and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose now, I want to emphasize two words uh, in that verse, all things. And uh, yeah, if you study the Greek, that's exactly what it means, all things. God is able to work all things in our lives for our good. And uh, many Christians were able to claim that for the small struggles. We're able to say, oh, it's just a, you know, it's just a little you know, sickness or it's just a little thing, but God's going to heal you or, or God's going to work it out. And in the end, it's going to be better. And we're able to see God work. Uh, just in our small struggles and, and the different things in our lives. But uh, I want us to go a little bit deeper tonight uh, because it's easy to apply this word for some things. It's easy to apply this word for some struggles. But what about the deeper ones? You know, what about things like addiction, imprisonment, physical and sexual abuse, sex trafficking, child slavery, murder? How is God able to turn all these things for good. How is God feeling about these things? Is he angry? Is he withdrawn? Is, does he even care? Is he there? Does Romans 8.28 apply? And I feel that God has a, a, just a new revelation uh, to, to release tonight. And uh, the title of the word tonight, if you're taking notes, is this. God over the darkness. God over the darkness. And uh, before I get into it, I want to say a prayer for us. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much uh, for your spirit's presence in this place, Lord. Your spirit, Lord God, gives us joy, gives us life. Lord God, we're satisfied in you. And uh, I just thank you for your love that is here as well, Lord God. I can just feel your love, Lord God, just so vibrant from the church here, from the family here, Lord God. And I just thank you for every son and daughter that you have gathered. And God, I just thank you, Lord, that we are safe in this place. I just declare safety in this place, Lord God, that this is a place, Lord God, of security. This is a place of trust, of warmth, of love, Lord God, that we have nothing to fear. I just declare your perfect love driving out all fear. And God, may you just uh, bless and anoint my lips tonight, God. I just declare that your word is going to go forth, Lord God, and it's going to accomplish all that you desire. And uh, I just pray that you quicken every heart and ear in this place that we may receive. We exalt you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 8. We're going to flip around a little bit tonight. 1 Kings chapter 8. I should be hearing papers rustling. 1 Kings chapter 8. This is right after King Solomon has built the temple. And they've set the Ark of the Covenant, in the most holy place. And I'm going to read verses 10 through 12. 
says this. 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. King James Version says this, the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. I want you guys to underline those two words in your Bible or highlight them. Dark cloud, thick darkness. In the original text, the Hebrew word for this dark cloud, thick darkness is the word erethel. Erethel. I want you guys to repeat that after me. Erethel. Okay, am I pronouncing it right? All right, good. All right, Erethel. All right, now I'm going to share a few verses about this particular word. This word means thick darkness, a dark cloud. And what King Solomon says is that our Lord God dwells in thick darkness. He dwells in a dark cloud. Have you guys heard that before? Have you guys reflected on that? God dwells in a dark cloud. He dwells in thick darkness. And you see what happens in this passage is that the priests see this cloud coming in and they don't know what to do. They can't perform their service. And they kind of hold back. And you get a sense of, of awe in that place, maybe even a sense of fear. But I'll tell you one person who didn't feel afraid. It's King Solomon. In fact, King Solomon got such a new revelation of God's presence through this dark cloud that what follows is the longest prayer in Scripture. King Solomon lifts up to God. You can look in your Bible. It's just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. King Solomon, he just goes nuts. He just realized, wow, this is, this is God. This is who he is. I'm just going to intercede for everything because he's going to answer. And I want to tell you that this isn't the first time that God showed up in a dark cloud. And I want us to look at another passage in Exodus chapter 20. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. This is the chapter known uh, for the Ten Commandments. The Israelites have been brought out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. And now they're at Mount Sinai. And they're all gathered at the bottom of the mountain. And God shows up in chapter 19 in a mighty way on top of the mountain. And he begins to speak. In chapter 20, he speaks forth the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to pick it up in verse 18. It says this, When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. There's those words again. Arafel. Thick darkness. I want you guys to underline it there as well. God was dwelling in a darkness so thick that the people were afraid. People wanted nothing of it. This was a revelation of God that was just too great for them. And they said, Moses, look, you go, you go into that cloud. You talk with God. We're going to stay back here. You can report afterwards. And so they withdrew. But Moses went into that dark cloud. He knew God was in it. And we know later that Moses would be the one who would talk to God face to face. 
as a close friend. He would have deep intimacy with God. No other Israelite, only Moses. Only Moses went into the dark cloud. Only Moses had that intimacy with God. So I want you to reflect on that for a moment. Only Moses was bold enough to enter into that thick darkness. King Solomon says, our God dwells in a dark cloud. Our God dwells in thick darkness. If God is in the darkness, where are we? Have you found him in the darkness before? Have you had this revelation of God that King Solomon and Moses had? Now, the people of Israel, they were new in their faith, okay? And so what we like to term a person who's new, new in their faith is a baby Christian. They're, they're young in their faith. Oh, they're young in their faith. And what we know of kids is that kids are usually scared of the dark. Is that right? Most kids are scared of the dark. Me, as a child, when I went to bed at night, as a young child, I needed the hall light on. And the door could be shut, but I just needed that little crack of light at night when I would go to sleep. For whatever reason... That little bit of light would give me comfort. I'd feel safe. And when my parents would go to bed at night and they turn off that light, I, I never liked it. I would even sneak out and turn the light back on. And if I watched a scary movie or something you know, scary happened, then I would need the door open a little bit. Because for whatever reason, the darkness seemed a little darker and I needed a little bit more light. It's just natural as kids, especially in a society where we're taught that darkness is bad, to be scared of the dark. And part of growing up, is just getting over these fears. I mean, it would be pretty bad if some father was just as scared of the dark as his son. I mean, that would be pretty pathetic. It's just a mark of maturity that, that pretty soon we're able to get over our fear of the dark. That's, that's just a natural sign of maturity. Now, that doesn't usually come at a certain age. It comes with a revelation. It comes with a revelation that we're safe, that we're secure. And it can happen when we're 14. It can happen when we're 7. It just, it comes with that revelation. And, um, you know, when I lived in the children's home, uh, I lived in the guest room, which was also the quarantine room. So it was, it was a small apartment, and I had my little room, and there was a little other empty room across my hall. And if kids got the chicken pox, or if they got pink eye, they would live with me. <laughs> and uh, it was great. So I, I had a ton of different little boys living with me at different times over those three years that I lived in the home. And these boys, they were used to, at night, sleeping with six or seven other boys in the room. And they were used to going to bed with the light still on outside because the dorm mother would still be working or, or different things like that. But when they would come to my apartment, it was a very new setting. They were alone in the room. And it just, just seemed a little darker. And they would come up to me and, and ask me, Jim, are, are you scared of the dark at night? Are, are you scared at night living alone? And I would tell them, no, you know, I'm totally fine. And then they would, they would innocently ask me, they'd be like, like if, if a monster comes, like, what, what do you do? And I would just lean down. I, I'd love to do this. I would lean down in front of the kids and I'd be like, They're not scary. They can't do a thing. I got God. God's stronger. And as I would demonstrate that, a little more dramatic in front of the boys, of course, they would smile and, and they would get excited and they would feel secure. 
that's all right, you know, and, and my prayer is that they would get that God is there to protect them, but, you know, maybe they just got that J.M. was there, and he would beat up the monsters, but, you know, that's what fathers are. We're a representative of God the Father, and they have to learn trust somewhere, and often they learn trust in us first before they can meet their Savior, have that trust in God. So one of those marks of maturity is no longer being scared of the dark, no longer being afraid. And this comes with trust. This comes with security. And I want to tell you, it's the same in our walk with God. You see, when I was a fifth year at Virginia Tech, my last year at Virginia Tech, uh, I was led a fellowship, uh, a home group, or a house church, you could call it, of about 25 first years. And um, they were a wonderful bunch. I, I just had so much fun with this group. But for whatever reason, so many of them had scarred pasts. It was like God was preparing me. I, I mean this. He was preparing me for the orphanage. I, almost all of these kids, especially the girls, had either been abused or abandoned or both. And the truth was, was that if they lived here in South Korea, they would likely be living in a children's home. That was their pasts. But most of them were new Christians. And because they were new in the Lord, there was just that grace and that glow and just that joy about them. And they were eating everything up. I would teach them just the basics of the word and of prayer, and they would, just, they would feast upon it. They loved it, and they would seek the Lord all the time. And I loved it as well, but when I would pray for them in my quiet place, I would, I would weep for them, and I would know the hurts in their hearts, and I would know that sooner or later, God's got to address those areas. And sooner or later, they have to forgive their father. Sooner or later, they've got to confront those memories of, of rape and abuse. They need God's healing. But sooner or later, that stuff's going to come out. And it would kill me because at that time, as a fifth year at Virginia Tech, I didn't have the anointing or the experience to lead them through that. I didn't know what to do. And it frustrated me because, God, you've given me this position as a father to, to, to this group, and yet I can't lead them all the way. But God would always reassure me, and he would say, it's okay. They're not ready yet. I'm preparing them, and all you need to do is love them. And keep doing what you're doing. Keep being a father and keep building that trust. And I will do the work. God is the author and perfecter of their faith. He is in control. He who began a good work in you, he's going to carry it to completion to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God gave me that security. He gave me that strength. And, and he taught me that, you know, you can't just tell a child that darkness isn't scary. Get over it and then put a child alone in a dark place and expect them to get over it. That's cruelty. And you can't go up to a new Christian, someone new in the faith, and say, yes, God loves you and he forgives you and he tells you to forgive and bless those around you. So you need to forgive and bless those who abused you as a child. Because that's cruelty. It may be the truth, but it's, it's not the right time. See, it takes time. We need a measure of God's love. We need a measure of his trust before we're no longer scared of the dark, before the dark no longer frightens us. And that's when we can confront. That's when we can go and find God in the darkness. I want you guys to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60. It's another well-known set of verses, verses 1 through 3. says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. 
See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. There's two words for darkness in this passage. The first darkness is Chosuk. And we see that all throughout the scripture, referring just to darkness, dark, black. But then we have that word again, thick darkness, that word Arafel. It says darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. The same thick darkness that filled the temple of God. The same thick darkness that consumed Mount Sinai. This is the thick darkness that is over the peoples. And you see, we as just people trained by the world to see in the world, all we see is that first darkness, Chosek. We see what, what the enemy wants us to see. We're scared of the dark. We don't want to confront it. We look back at our past. We don't want to go there. That's darkness. But the truth is, is that God's greater than that darkness. He's labeled as thick darkness. And while darkness may cover the earth, while it may be true that there's just a lot of evil around us, his thick darkness is there as well. That where we think are the the places where, man, there's, there's no good, there's no life, there's no light, God is there. I want to tell you, God is active. If you look in the Bible, I brought up some of those sins, some of those things, those addictions, murder, sex trafficking, child slavery. You see that all throughout the Bible. Joseph was a slave, child slave. Daniel was a child slave. He was an orphan. David was a sinner and adulteress and a murderer. Moses was a murderer. Esther was part of one of the biggest acts of sex trafficking known to man. You look at that and you say, it's so dark, it's so evil. And yet God was still there. His thick darkness was over the peoples. Doesn't justify their sin. Doesn't justify the wrong that, that David did or Moses did. But it didn't mean that God left them. It didn't mean that they were forsaken. And the grace that they experienced through finding God in that thick darkness, through being found out, but then discovering God's grace and his mercy and his calling, they met God in a way they had never known before. And this is a revelation that he's wanting to release to the church. That even in your moments of, of thickest darkness, even in your moments of, of, of greatest trauma, of greatest hurt, even in your moments of, of deepest sin and of shame, the things you don't want to look back at because you just, you just want to see darkness. You don't want to even pretend anything was there. God was there. And God wasn't angry. God wasn't vengeful. He wasn't withdrawn. You know, for the prodigal son, his arms were open. His arms are open for you as well. For those who have been abused and rejected and forlorn, he was with them. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 13.5 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The end of Matthew says, surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And the truth is, he has always been with you. He has been with you through every high, and through every low. The same God that led you through the, to lay down in the, in the green pastures and leads you beside the quiet waters is the same God who leads you besides the valley of the shadow of death. He leads you and places you right in front of your enemies. This is the same God. And we're not called to find our identity with God or with man based upon where our, our circumstances are, whether we're in green pastures or in the valley of the shadow of death. We're called to find our identity, 
our comfort, our security in knowing God is with us. He is always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. You know, God is faithful. Uh, taking care of those, those freshmen at Virginia Tech, those first years. I got so frustrated. Just, I mean, I love them so much, but I got so frustrated that I could not lead them into that full healing. And I remember I would go back uh, in 2006 and 2008, and I would visit, and I would pray and minister. And, and um, you know, sometimes demons would manifest or, or different things would happen. And, you know, they would get a measure of God's love, but I wouldn't see the full healing. And it killed me. And I said, God, in, in early 2008, I said, I don't want to go back. Again, unless, God, you give me what I need to bring the healing to these people, the love and the anointing, the experience to bring healing to these people. And God was faithful. He answered that prayer. And uh, I've been able to go back and to lead some of those different sons and daughters into that full healing. And others, he's just done it on his own because he's sovereign and he loves us. He cares about us. And while the world tries to say, oh, you should be filled with shame. Oh, God is angry with you. No, God is love. His perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. God is not a God of punishment. He's a God of grace, God of mercy, God of light. If there is discipline, it's for our good. And it's always done out of a heart that is broken for us, a heart that died on a cross for us. That's his love. And, you know, the inner healing that we do when, when we lead different people through these just the trauma of their past, it's like surgery. And with surgery, surgery is something you just don't do to anyone who needs it. You got to wait until they're ready. You know, it's just like with a child. I can tell them the darkness isn't scary. You know, just, just get over it. But that's not going to help them. They need to, to grow in that trust and that security. And then soon it, it comes in. And they're ready to confront that darkness on their own. And with surgery, you have to be at a certain level of health to be able to receive it. Otherwise, it could kill you. It could do worse for you. And so every son and daughter needs a measure of love. And I feel that, that God is wanting to pour out a measure of love in this place for many of you who haven't been able to get there yet. He wants to touch you tonight. But as you grow in that love, as you grow in that strength, okay, it's time to face it. And you know, with surgery, uh, it's not painless. You got, you got to identify the wound. You got to open the wound. You got to let the doctor's scalpel in. And it's not, it's not painless. It comes in. But it brings the healing that you need that you can walk in health the rest of your life. You can either carry that disease and let it slowly destroy you, or you can confront it and let that surgery in and just confront that darkness and, and just let that healing come. It's the same with inner healing. You see, in inner healing, we have to identify the wound. And so if it's, if it's abuse, okay, all right, let's, let's go back into those memories of abuse. Let's open the, up that wound. Let's remember. And what I'll do, uh, what we do in the ministry for inner healing is we'll just sit down and we'll be like, okay, let's go back into the memory. And sometimes they need to forgive before we can even go in. And I'm telling you guys, there's a lot of people here tonight that need to forgive certain people. And God's going to bring that conviction. But once again, you can't forgive without that love within your heart. And we love because God first loved us. And it's a sin to say to someone, I feel it's a sin to tell, command them to forgive someone if they don't have that love, that measure of love that they need. And so we always make sure in inner healing, when we do these sessions, that the person feels so loved, that it's just the anointing God is over them. And that grace enables people to forgive the people who raped them, the people who abused them, the people who abandoned them. That's powerful. 
That's the love of God. And then they're able to go back into these memories. And they're, they're able to confront that darkness. And what the world tries to say is, look at that darkness in Isaiah 60, that darkness that covers the earth, and be afraid. But instead, God is saying, no, I'm greater. I'm in the thick darkness. And if you seek me, you'll find me. And you'll know me, and you'll get a greater revelation of me than you would ever imagine. And as we pray, and they, they just go through their memory, and they, they share, and they share the, the pain, what they were experiencing, and it just becomes so real to them. We just take a pause with our eyes closed. And we, I just say, okay, let's just invite Jesus in. He's already there. Let's invite him in. Let's ask God, reveal yourself in this memory. And he does it time and time again. He blows me away. In the worst of moments, in the darkest of moments, he was always there. He never failed. His love never fails. It never ends. It never dies. His love is always there. His love endures forever. Forever is not just from here to the end. It's also from here to the, from the beginning. His love endures forever. I want to read a testimony of one of the sisters uh, from Virginia Tech that I was able to, to lead in her healing. I'm just going to read a, a short, short portion. She had a rough life. Uh, her mother uh, left her father when she was very young. Uh, she went and lived with different men, and she would, you know, as a, her daughter, she would live with her mom and, and with these different men. And um, they weren't always good men. And when she was in elementary school, she lived with a certain stepfather, and when he would get drunk, uh, he would come into her room thinking she was asleep, and uh, he would molest her. And those memories brought so much shame and confusion into her life. And other sins also started to just come up in her life as a result of that. And we dealt with everything uh, in this session. And this was just a part of what she wrote in her testimony a few weeks afterwards. She says this, The memory of being sexually molested by my stepdad was the most difficult. It was hard to see Jesus in the memory because I was still holding on to the fear and confusion I felt during that time. As I kept praying and inviting Jesus into the memory, I saw angels surrounding my bed. Jesus was lying down next to me with his face towards mine. I was laying on my side with my back towards my stepdad, and during the molestation, Jesus kept telling me to keep my eyes on him, look into his eyes, and I felt Jesus telling me that this shouldn't happen, but he's going to make things right in the end. And afterwards, my head was cradled in Jesus' arms, and he held me till I cried myself back to sleep. I felt sorrow, but I felt comfort at the same time, sorrow that this dark thing had to happen, but comforted that Jesus was there when it happened. I wasn't alone. I didn't understand why this had to happen, but I trusted him. There was trust instead of fear with Jesus in the memory. And what was cool was uh, right after we prayed through that memory, and, um, you know, we kind of came to, and, and uh, just a lot of tears had been shed and, and everything, uh, there was a bird that suddenly began to chirp outside the window of the place that we were at. And she was surprised because she recognized that, that the sound of that bird. And she said, you know, when I was young and I was living at that house, every morning when I would wake up, I would hear that same bird chirping. And for some reason, I felt hope. For some reason, I felt I, I could make it through the day. And she realized that God was in that bird, that God was with her through all that. And you know what? We, we also went through different sin and different shame, things that she had done. 
just she had to confess, she had to repent, she had to renounce those false identities, those identities that that the sin tried to put on her, that she was dirty, that she was filled with shame, that she was not worthy before God. And God just kept releasing deeper healing, deeper revelation into her life. She was able to know God on a deeper realm, a deeper realm that she had never gone before. She was getting the deepest revelations of God as we were going into the darkest of places. And I just want to speak this out tonight, church. That God dwells in thick darkness. Even in your darkest places, he is there and he loves you and he wants to reveal himself to you. That there is nothing too great for his grace or for his light. And I want to go beyond that. I feel that tonight God wants to bring healing in this place to many of you here. He wants to touch your hearts and these memories that you've been holding back become jaded, just pretended it's not even there. He wants to come in and bring healing tonight. But it's not just that. The revelation doesn't end there. There's darkness all around us. There's darkness all over North Korea. There's darkness all over these children's homes. And the world would say there's nothing good there. The world would say, no, these kids, they're just rejects. They're outcasts. There's just nothing good. They got ADHD. They'll never amount to anything. But I want to tell you that God dwells in the thick darkness. His revelations are greater than anything this world could ever conjure up. And he's about to come to North Korea. He's about to come to these children in South Korea as well in such a great way. And that, you know, Daniel, he was an orphan. He was exiled into Babylon. He was one of those people that that the world would label as just never going to make it. You know, just too much trauma. And yet he became one of the greatest in Babylon along with his friends. And Peter and John, they were just fishermen, just lowly men. But they stood in front of these chief priests and spoke with boldness, so much to the point that they said, who are these men? They're just fishermen, nobodies. But they speak with such boldness. There's something about them. And I want to tell you guys that God's not just here to heal you. He's here to release the anointing within you. And while the world has put all these different identities and labels over our lives, there's something far greater over each and every one of you. And that if God could use Daniel and Peter and John and Joseph, these different rejects, these, these different slaves, these different people that just the world would think nothing of, people put in prison, God can use you as well. And God's going to lead you into places in this world that are a thick darkness. He's going to lead you to the abortion clinics. He's going to lead you to the places of prostitution, red light district. He's going to lead you to the orphans, to the homeless. He's going to lead you even into the media, places of standing where it just seems like darkness and greed, nothing good. But God dwells in the thick darkness. And if he could call Moses, he could call David, he could call so many different people out of darkness. He has such a calling on so many homeless, on so many people that are in the media, in the business, these different people that just seem evil by nature. God's going to deliver them. And he's going to use you for this. Guys, God is good. He's able to turn all things for our good. You see those same traumas, those same struggles that we're running away from. He's actually going to use them to release the greatest revelation of love that you've gotten yet. He dwells in thick darkness. You know, we're not called to go into the world first and to proclaim that, that God is a light in the darkness, that he's there. First, we have to find it here. 
First, we have to discover his light, his presence in here. And if there is any identity that you are carrying of condemnation, of, of evil, of, of anger, of just not good enough, you can't do it. Any of those things, that's not of God. That's not his presence. That's not his words. His words for you are life. His words for you are love. He believes in you. He's the one who created you. He's the one who knows you. He's the one who empowers you. Your your basis isn't based on here. Your ability isn't based upon your own brain. Your ability is based upon his spirit working in you. Your ability is based upon his love. You know, there's kids in my home. Some of them are very smart. Some of the kids would be labeled by the world as, as not so smart. But you know what? If I said nothing, maybe some of the kids that are, quote, unquote, a little smarter, they do a little bit better. But if I told the kids that, that are, quote, unquote, not as smart, that you're smart and you can do it, I'm telling you, they would start to excel. They would excel far more than those who, by the world standards, have the brain. Why? Because they have someone who believes in them. You have a father who believes in you. You have a father who loves you so much. You have a father who enables you to overcome all things. Our God is God of the darkness. So right now, I just want us to go into prayer. And I want just everyone around this room, um, to just go ahead and close your eyes. I want to invite the keyboard to stop. Our God is a God who dwells in thick darkness. And I believe that even as I was speaking, many of you around this room, you guys were remembering just different things that you don't want to remember. Different lies. I just really felt that, that over many people here tonight, there have been harsh words that have been spoken against you. There have been words, whether you were young or whether it was just this past week, I don't know. But there have been words that the enemy has tried to throw upon you. And the words that you try and fight, and the words that just seem so dark, and able to overcome. And I want to tell you that God wants to bring healing to those words. Those words are lies. And that God wants to bring you into these memories. I don't know what, what, what they are, but there are so many different memories around this room. I know that there are many people, the number of people in this room have been raped. Many people who have been abused or abandoned. And God is wanting to touch you. He's wanting to give you a greater revelation of love, a revelation of love that you have yet to receive. So I'm going to say a prayer right now, and then we'll just see how the Spirit leads tonight. Please keep your eyes closed. Just let the Lord minister to you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the darkness. And while we celebrate you as a God of light, a God of joy, a God of peace, a God of love, that you are there, Lord God, Father, in, in our joy. You are there, Lord God, Father, in, in those bright memories. But God, you are also there in the darkness. You were there, Lord God, and your love was there. And your love is unfailing. It never changes. 
And Father, I just declare a greater measure of your love being released in this place tonight. God, you have a great calling over the people in this room, Lord. You have a mighty calling over every individual, every person here, God. And God, I just rebuke the lies that are being spoken to people saying that, oh, not me, just other people. God, I rebuke those lies. And I declare you have a mighty calling over every son and daughter in this place tonight, God. And that you love us, Lord, and you formed us for your purpose, God. And God, while the world has tried to mark us, well, the world has, has tried to tempt us and lead us astray. And the world has tried to label us and to shame us, God. God, you are able to turn all things for our good. And God, I just declare the goodness of God in this place. I declare that you are a good father. You are a good daddy, God. And we do not need to fear the darkness, Lord, because you're right there with us, God. You never leave us nor forsake us, God. You believe in us, Lord. You hold our hand. You lift us up, God. You exalt us, God. We are your delight. We are your delight. And God, I just declare you are smiling over us right now, Lord. You are so filled with joy, God. You adore your children. You adore your sons and daughters. And God, while you have callings over our lives, while you have purposes for us, God, God, us fulfilling these purposes, Lord God, are not what earns our love with you, Lord. God, you say that your love is with us always, Lord. That you knew us, Lord God, in our sin. You knew us while we were still sinners and you died for us, Lord. And I just declare your unfailing love being released. I declare, Lord Jesus, God, in every memory, God, you were there. And I declare revelation of Jesus in every memory. And God, I speak to every hurting heart. God, I speak, Lord God, Father, to every heart, Lord Jesus, God, that that is aching and in need of love. God, I just declare you are here, God, and you're here to minister to them, God. And they're not to go home tonight, Lord God, Father, empty. They're not to go home tonight jaded, Lord, but you're here to touch them, Lord. You're here to minister to them, God, and you will give us the grace that we need, Lord. You build us up, God. And you delight in the process, Lord. You delight in the relationship. Father, you are so good. Father, you believe in us. You work all things for our good. There is not one memory, Lord God, that the enemy can claim. I just declare your light shining in every moment. You are there, God, in the thick darkness. You are God over the darkness. You are there, God. And God, I just declare in the future as well, I speak this over every heart, that we will not fear, Lord God, Father, what the future brings, God, that you are with us, Lord. And that, Lord God, even in, Lord Father, times of trouble, even in times of want, you will be with us, God, and we will know you more. We will get greater revelation of you, God. You are God of the darkness, Lord. And God, you are going to lead your people, Lord God, Father, into the darkest of places. You are going to lead us, Lord, because we are children of your light, Lord. And we know that you're there, God, and we got nothing to fear, Lord. You're the same God, Lord God, Father, that leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord God, you give us a feast in front of our enemies, God. You don't just set us there, Lord. You give us a feast. You bless us, God. We have nothing to fear. God, I just command fear to leave, Lord, your children, Lord. I declare your peace over your sons and daughters, God. I declare your sweet love over your sons and daughters, God. There's nothing to fear, Lord. Your perfect love is driving out all fear in this place. God, you are so good. You are so good. You are so good.